opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the podcast commences for this Friday night, July 10th, 2020. This is Digest number five of the Anime Roundtable Canada, version 2.0. Mike Nicholas again in the captain's chair at six points. James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki remotely from their homes in the West End. If you want to get in touch with us, animeroundtable at gmail.com on email, at animeroundtable on Twitter and Instagram, animeroundtable.com for our past episodes. Of course, there's the Discord. And a reminder to please give us a good review if you're getting this on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the like. So in the aftermath of finally putting up episode 20, we are gathered here today, mainly at Kevin's request, to recap the weekend that was Anime Online Convention Overload and look ahead to the other Anime Online cons to come. But confession from me, most of my weekend was spent either playing video games, i.e. Yakuza 0, or watching them being played, i.e. Overwatch League. So basically, I'm going to turn to the other three this evening and ask them about what stuck out about Funimation Con, Anime Expo Lite, and Anaplex Online. And if there's anything from any possible VODs worth checking out within the next few days, because my understanding is they'll probably be taken down in the next few days. Kevin, this was your thing. And I and I hate to put you on the spot over this, mm-hmm. but what did stick out? It sounded like you saw a fair amount of it. I caught most of, well, not most, but I caught a good chunk of Saturday. I'd say, I feel like Friday was the day that I really missed, because that was where the bulk of the announcements were made, in terms of licensing, but... Uh, Saturday for me, I think the one that I really paid most attention to was the Kodansha panel, where, uh, apparently none of those licenses were really new in the sense that apparently they did announce them up to, like, a few days beforehand. At least a couple of people in the chat were complaining about that, but it was new to me, so it was fine. It's always worth something with these conventions. It puts out something that might have been known into a larger form. So people, there's a good possibility, unless you were really digging for this information, you wouldn't have known. You're just stumbling on it. And this is a good form to... Yeah, it's good to recap and then do it different. Like I know Ed Chavez had a different announcement for each of the cons he was at. There was another mini one he was involved with. Okay. All right, Kevin. Sorry about that. Oh, so, yeah, I used to be one of those people who would, like, be on top of this shit all the time, especially for manga. But uh, now it's just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. When it comes out, maybe I'll give it a shot. That kind of thing. Let's see. I'm trying to think here. So the one that caught my eye, or the two titles that caught my eye for 
Kodansha was that uh, a sign of affection, which looks like a looks pretty shoujo to me based on the art. And the creator is I know her work from I believe she did Shortcake Cake, which is one of my uh, more recent favorite shoujo manga of late. Let me make sure that I'm correct on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's her. So uh, this one's about a a girl who's I think she's deaf. I think it, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So pretty mm-hmm. much, this couple has to commute through. They have to communicate through sign language, or at least they have to try. Sounds like, a, sounds like a, no. That sounds like quite a premise already. And we see a version of it with C on Apple TV. <laughs> and uh, and on the vertical side, um, they confirm Blood on the Tracks will be uh, published physically. Because that, that was being published digitally. Hmm. That's interesting. But the interesting thing about that is all of them are just going to be under the Kodansha comics since they've amalgamated everything under one. So from the looks of it, from what I can tell at least, they are still keeping the vertical imprint because I guess that is like the more offbeat stuff. I was thinking that's the weird part because I started a series in February, Sweat and Soap, and it was from uh, Morning, Kodansha Morning. And I would have thought it would have been a vertical series, but it's under the Kodansha USA, which is kind of interesting. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how they go do that going forward. Uh, how you pick and choose. And just to clarify, it was already coming out physically, but they're going to put it out digitally uh, starting next year. Huh. That's interesting. And that one's by Shuzo Oshimi. So, uh, that's the creator of happiness and the flowers of evil and inside Mari. Yeah. They've been getting like vertical and Kodacha, all of those uh, ones, except we heard that uh, the art book and then inside Mari is going to be done by Dumpa. So mm. they're spreading it around, but it's interesting because mm. a lot of people I know uh, if they'd actually been a con, they've been getting a lot of, feedback because of all the manga publishers they're the only ones in COVID they've delayed the physical releases but they're also delaying those digital releases to the same date as the physical and all the other guys aren't doing that I see because some people are like okay you set the date you should release and everyone else has been doing that but uh, Kodansha USA which is interesting and the other ones are promoing it as it's kind of a first look or a first blush or whatever and stuff like that you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Just to me, the making the step away from digital to uh, a physical copy sounds. It sounds like it's a significant thing for that to happen. And a lot of the Kodansha ones I know are always they have a lot of digital releases that are digital only. So it was nice to get some news on some the physical front. And then yeah, maybe they'll put it digi- physically later. But then some yeah, there have been more and more series that have started digitally first and. I feel like more and more shoujo manga are going in that direction. Maybe maybe I'm perceiving that incorrectly, but I don't know. Uh, the involving consumption of works. 
And sometimes they make deals. Like I think Kodansha made a deal for two of their manga digitally only with Comic Walker. And one of them was like, why the hell are you here, teacher, and stuff like that. And supposedly that was selling like hotcakes for Sentai on the anime side. And that's hmm. more of uh, Sane and uh, Echi. Uh... Oh, and just to clarify on a sign of affection, it it was already coming out digitally, but then they decided to put it out physically. Okay. So maybe the test bed worked, because I think some of that is what they do, right? Because they think it might not uh, be good enough to go physically to make those sales. I'm really curious about how these titles do digitally nowadays, because uh, we don't really have any way of... There's no numbers to look at. Granted that numbers are often not shared with the public, but it still makes you wonder nonetheless. And the book scan only gives you so much because they only look at certain parts of uh, the industry, and even the diamond numbers only look at certain things too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it always has my attention because, as I said, we're moving a little bit away from physical media. Slowly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the ebook. Well, the ebook thing is always a fascination to me, regardless. So I don't know how it's going, really going on the manga side. But in light of the whole, well, my introduction with the humble bundle about a month ago, and we look at J novels doing those digital first mm-hmm. blush of the digital uh, light novels, and then they start to go into a bit more physical for some of the ones that probably are going to be more successful. So. Yeah, it's one of those, the digital is, like, on paper, oh, bad metaphor, first thought is you you can push that a little, a little bit wider, and then you use that to gauge interest in a possible holding, a physical edition that you can, you can really hold, but the digital is the, is the mass version these days, I think. I, it's still it's still a t- dizzy for me especially since the there's still always plenty of issues when it comes to digital books and whether they're manga or novels that's or that's even been, uh, well, digital games and stuff like that and we've heard a few things about that this week like i think capcom was giving numbers and the numbers were staggering how much it was for digital now versus physical. Like it's basically digital is winning. More people are buying digital games than they are physical games from them. That, it, that I do find that fascinating because I guess it's, I guess it's ease of access. That's the only reason why I can see that being the case because I used to think that digital games well, actually, no, in, in several cases, digital is a little cheaper. Not always. But, but man, like, I... So I, I bought Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition this week. Because... Yes. That, I've seen advertising for that. That's part of the Steam sale. And so I actually have those on disc from, like, 1999, but... I was about to say 20 years ago, yeah. I mean, that's how the advertising works. I was going to say, here's that number I was looking for. So from their annual shareholders, meaning for Capcom, it was larger than I thought. At the moment, they said 80% of their games are sold digitally. And they oh. said, that's an encouraging trend, and they're hoping to go to 90%. And I'm just thinking, holy smokes. Because remember, right. they were, they've were they always been big into uh, 
triple-A games, if you want to say it, or bigger games that would be sold physically. So that's crazy. Kevin, what's your thought again? Oh, I would say, and you know, I've, I've mentioned this time and again, so I bought that release because playing my 1999 version of Age Empires 2 is impractical now, and Mm -hmm. the game is only on PC, so it's the only way I can play that game, period. Yeah, uh, well, I'd been I not made a secret of my Yakuza quests. I finished up digitally downloading the zero to six and Judgment within the last couple days. How big was and, it, how big was the download, Mike? How big? Oh, I haven't I haven't officially. I just I just purchased them, but they they stay in the library just in case I decide to try to return them. You, you, Sony, it's Sony's ter- uh, policy. If once you start downloading it, you can't refund it. Interesting. Mm. I didn't. I didn't exactly know that. That's interesting. There is some sort of weird policy. Huh. A little inflexible because <laughs> Steam gives you fourteen days, or if you played it, if, or if you played it for less than two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was told that, but Sony's is the second you hit the download button, you're locked. And there was, you, you well, I'll, I'll quickly tell this story. It was Yakuza Zero, the mutual friend, going back to the story of how I got it. I was able to get that for 10 bucks. I, I bought that before the sale ended and started downloading it in. And then a few days later, I found out that the Origins bundle was on sale for 40 so, but because I had already downloaded downloaded zero, I couldn't uh, return it. So I, I was out at basically ten bucks. I, I purchased the Origins bundle. It's it's one. It's a pretty. It might be the biggest issue with with Sony's return policy for starters. But maybe it's a it's a it's a bigger discussion altogether about digital downloads. In case you want to return something, like the refund policy when it comes to digital downloads, generally speaking. So the upshot of the whole thing is I'm I'm out ten bucks because the Origins bundle can, it had zero and then Kwame one and two, basically the remakes of the original two games. Yeah, see, and, and and this is why I don't. And like I said before, this is why I don't like buying digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I things. Yeah, I understand. There's, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I was, I, I spent a lot of time being skeptical of of digital purchases, digital me of buying things digitally because of the whole. Well, obviously, obviously, we were talking return policies here for starters, but the other thing is, of course, it's basic DRM as well. What if the the form the medium you you bought your download on, you know, it's not yours forever. And so if the, so if your medium by which you got this for goes under, you're kind of out of luck, but it's also cynically speaking, it's also, you know, the companies have no issue with that because they want you to buy the same thing more than once. They've been bred to many platforms, right? Right. That's hard for game preservation in the future, of course. And that's still a thing even keeping and keeping a, a certain stream, a certain income stream going. I mean, here, like I said, People bought. People will. 
I, hardcore fans will buy the same thing a few times over if the next version is just a little better or has a bigger appeal to it. Star Wars fans, I'm sure, bought the movies. It's like playing GTA Five on four different consoles. Oh yes, like that GTA Five uh, in terms of video games, four different consoles, really? Yeah, five, four, three, not two, so three different consoles. Yeah, yes, and then and and Xbox Three Sixty and Xbox One and oh god, yeah, assuming it's on Series X. And it's a launch title for and a redone version, I guess. On uh, could be. Like they could be the launch titles on PS5 and Series X or something. Well, it's confirmed. Yes, and I mean it's like buying Star Wars and from going from VHS to remastered VHS and then DVD and then Blu-ray, but with still no theatrical cut. Yeah. So I think Microsoft they said they no Sony hasn't said anything, but Microsoft said if you bought an Xbox One version copy and it's in their program, you're upgraded for free to the X version and stuff like that, which is interesting. I forget what they call it, Mm -hmm. but it was basically you get a free upgrade. And to be fair, I think Sony has Sony with their PS5, they do have backward compatibility with PS4. So they haven't said how much, but we'll see because. Well, you, you hopefully you'd be able to, if you made a purchase on a 4, you can play it on a 5. That's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping for. We'll find out in due time. Yes, we'll okay. find out for all those indie games that people bought from Limited Run and all those other limited places as well, because those are some of the ones that buy it multiple times too. Mm-hmm. Let's get back on track on the anime uh, to the anime online conventions. What else has stuck out to you guys? Devin? Uh, so on the Viz side... They oh. they announced they announced Asadora by Naoki Urasawa. That's coming out early next year. So mm. I'm assuming that's his new work. Yes, his uh, new work. And they, you know, in October, Kevin, uh, his short stories are coming out. I think it's called Sneeze. I see. No, uh, Yawara. Okay. No, unfortunately, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I call that, or as I like to call it, the. Last thing on my bucket list. Anything Yawara is is my personal last item on the on the bucket list. If I can, if anything comes out there and I can be able to get that, whether it's manga or more of the anime, Animigo, I can die happy. Well, hey, never say never. Urusa Yatsura finally came out after all this time, and we always thought that that was hopeless. Like a whole series, right? Yeah, who has that? Uh, recap for me. Uh, Viz relicensed the manga after like 25, 30 years. <laughs> They'll never say never. Okay, continue. Sorry, let's let's continue with Viz. Uh, they also they also brought out Beast Complex, which is the uh, the precursor to B Stars. <laughs> uh, so that was, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that was um, a bunch of short stories. Also featuring anthropomorphic animals. Hmm. Uh, so I guess if they put out Beast Complex, that must mean that Beastars is at least doing all right for them. Well, I wonder about the Netflix numbers, right? Because that would probably affect them too, right? So I think they probably got a good amount from that too. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, Cross promo appeal. 
And then you have the new Junji Ito story collection, or at least another Junji Ito story collection. Which we had talked about before, so that's great that they can still do one a year and stuff like that in that pristine <laughs> hardcover edition. Yeah. Uh, I just don't I, know. Like, it's crazy how that's grown, because it just took forever pulling teeth just to try and sell it for Viz at the start. Dark Horse tried it, One Comics tried it, and now they found yeah. a niche and they're exploiting it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Like, I don't know. I'm, I read, like I said it before, Tomia was okay. So, and I still need to read Uzumaki, but I'll have to, I'll stick with it for a little longer and see how it goes. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the new Ray Toma work, The King's Beast, is also coming out next year. So, uh, any, any shoujo readers may recognize her as the creator of, uh, Dawn of the Arcana, which was a pretty good, Showing the series in my book. Hmm. Uh, let's see what else. They're releasing this little uh, comic book that is about how to be more fashionable. It's called Tokyo Fashion, a comic book. So that caught my attention as well. It's an illustrated guide to Japanese style, so they say. When I re-listen to this, I'm going to start typing down all these titles that are being rifed off just to see if there's actually and so just to let you know it is called sneeze but viz is calling it sneeze Naoki urasawa story collection that's in october the whole title they're mm-hmm. relying on the urasawa name. <laughs> well yeah it's like that's true urasawa is that type of name historically it's kind of funny because they haven't brought out billy bat and you would have thought kodansha would try to go for that because that is who has billy bats kodansha that's why see it's been theorized that billy bat is i don't know where i heard this from but people will say that billy bat is really not that good Hmm. and so Hmm. because you'd think it would have been out by now so there's something going on or maybe Urasawa doesn't want it to come out. Now, that's possible, too. Who knows? And, uh, and the Dr. Stone reboot, uh, which, well, not really a reboot. It's pretty much a prequel tale of the main character's dad. This actually was uh, published online in the Shonen Jump app, but they're just putting it out physically now. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Stone's one of the better... Uh, Shonen Jump titles as of late just because um, the main character fights with his mind and we're not talking yeah. about his powers. His, yeah. his, his colleagues, like his friends and his uh, his teammates have various you know, they're, they're, they have strength of various levels, but uh, no, this guy is just a smart kid. <laughs> and you don't really see that too often. True. Okay. So Viz. That's Viz. That's more or less Viz. And then there was also there was a couple other titles that I don't recognize. And then there was some other stuff that they announced for the app, the Shonen Jump app, like hmm. like the Jujutsu Kaisen spinoff and another My Hero Academia like spinoff manga. But I'm just like, yeah. I don't. I don't. See, I, this is where I still have to learn to navigate. Where, like, going on back to the whole digital thing, I have to still navigate. I, I admit. Where to get it? Where to see what? See, Viz uh, makes it what? a little tricky because uh, Shonen Jump is Shonen Jump, but there are the odd exceptions. 
like, um, you know, Slam Dunk and Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter. And that's because their creators don't want their stuff digitally, like for mass consumption. Uh, what else? Like, you know, stuff that got canceled or not there anymore. Hmm. And then all the, all the 18 plus stuff is not on the app, but you have to read it on their website. So, um, platinum <laughs> end. So platinum end, which is the new series by the creators of death note is you can only read online. And then Ayakashi triangle, which is by Kentari Abuki, who did black cat and two Loveru, is only online. For example, I'll personally need a lesson uh, on navigating all this now, but mm-hmm. we'll save that for another time, right? Yeah, like I'm sure we, um, yeah, we can, we'll, we can tell you as it goes along. Oh yes, of course. Uh, uh, whenever I'm able to uh, keep up, I suppose. All right, mm-hmm. so that's more or less fizz. Where any other spots you want to go to within the three cons? Uh, let's see. Really, really grabbed you. Well, like, Seven Seas licensed Die Dark, which is a manga by Q Hayashida, who uh, who drew Doro Hetero, which recently got an anime adaptation. Hmm. And pretty sure that's still a Shogakukan manga. So, being Seven Seas nab that was a little surprising to say the least i think shigakukan and kodansha have definitely been reaching out because as they said even square Enix said they can't release everything so it seems like seven seas and other publishers have been able to get all these different uh manga from different people that haven't used to give out like shigakukan stuff like that especially Especially ever since Gantz came out, we started to see more come out from different publishers, which is nice. Would you call that a lifeline to these older to these publishers? I can only assume. Well, in the case of Dari Dark, I can only assume that Seven Seas actually did bid a lot of money for it, because as James alluded to, in in the last few years, it seems like the publishers have loosened it up a little bit, especially for uh, Shogaku-Khan and Shueisha. Mm-hmm. So, yep. because, um, here's, so one example I can think of is that um, ever since Strawberry 100% got cancelled, Viz has always been reluctant to release the really perverted Shonen Jump manga. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Like Nisei Koi and We Never Learn are fairly light in comparison. Like, yeah, you still get the odd like panty shot or like whatever crazy moment, but but like Two Loveru was like you would have thought Two Loveru would have came out at some point from them because hey, fan service sells. But then I guess the that was interesting because they created Ghost Ship because of titles like that. Just yeah. So. So Seven Seas finally nabbed that and Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs, which were which was another very pervy Shonen Jump manga. And I guess it just wasn't on brand for Shonen Jump to release those really pervy stuff. But then again, um, Ayakashi Triangle is coming out now through Viz. So it's just interesting to see. Like 
how it kind of changes over time. Yeah. Well, it's the maturing market in some ways too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's sort of the appeal to, uh, to publishers like, well, you name a few, I guess. <laughs> name a few. Like Dis- Discotech kind of likes to use the nostalgia thing. Bands from 20 years ago are 20 years older. So their tastes have changed. Mm-hmm. You might be able to get away with a little more now just to appeal to those fans. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the whole evolving demographic. Yeah, and I think in, with Seven Seas, I think they're hoping that Dire Dark will be a great seller for them because, you know, they. I think we've talked about it before how they're they're a pretty scrappy publisher where they've found their niches. Uh, that's the impression, even after all this time. They've definitely yeah. done. But but of course, obviously, when you have a, an opportunity to license a title that will just become big, why not? In this case, so the other popular one I think Seven Seas was looking at was Berserk of Gluttony. Seems to be another one that they licensed mm-hmm. as well. Okay, so that will be an interesting one. But a lot of the other ones were on brand. They've done some different Yuri tiles, and they've also been getting titles where they were either published either on Twitter or I forget what its uh, name picks um, the platform in Japan. Pixiv? Pixel, yeah. Where yeah, it's like they're starting Pixiv, off yeah. like is Indian stuff like that, and then they find a publisher later on, and it's kind of like autobiographical, uh, autobiography like uh, manga and stuff like that. From different yeah. creators. Okay. All right. So, well, where else? Where else do we go in all of this now? Well, this happened before the con, but uh, Discotech relicensed Space Adventure Cobra. <laughs> yes, I, I remember hearing about that. Okay. Here we get two dubbed episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with two dubbed episodes from their trial. Of redubbing yeah, it. From their failed experiment. But as Justin said, they tried, and what more can you do? Well, so there's yeah. a fascination. Sometimes it's uh, it's good to, uh, to... Well, you have the space. Sometimes it's good to include what was kept on the cutting room floor, so to speak. <laughs> well, that's part of the discussion, right? Part of the whole... Well, there's a, as I said, there's I would find fascination in that type of stuff. So you understood how the process... Uh, parts of how the process went. So here's what was deleted or here's, you know, why we, and maybe if you watch it, you can see why we didn't go with it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think I find that kind of fascinating. I mean, and nobody has to feel obliged. Like it's there for no, at no extra cost. Mm-hmm. Well, how much time we got left? Well, we, as long as we want, I suppose, but let's uh, keep moving along here. Uh, any more licenses, or do you want to talk about any any other events that caught caught your attention? Hmm, let's see. Uh, that's how this announces, but the one that stuck out for me from them was the Undercover Ninja, I believe it's called, and that's from the creator of I Am a Hero and stuff like that. His Yeah, Kengo Hanazawa, yeah. Yes, and that one's interesting. It's like ninjas are like the secret agents of the world, and they're doing all these different things, so it's Kind of interesting. Hmm. And I'm his art style is very unique too. So yeah, not too surprised with that one because I imagine Ed Chavez being a fan of uh, Kengo Hanazawa. If I recall, he does like I Am a Hero. 
and I got yeah, this one. Yeah, that one just finished up well. from Dark Horse, and that was 11 omnibuses. But oh, that one was an that. interesting one on the zombie genre and stuff like that. And even I, on I Guns in it. Japan, for that matter. It's so good, from what I've read. <laughs> good personal project, sounds like. When's the library opens? Okay. Are we done with the uh, any licenses that uh, stuck out to you, or anything company-wise? Well... I know that they Funimation announced various delays, but then uh, James brought to my attention that Higurashi was actually licensed by them, the new one. Uh, what else? Back to Higurashi. Yeah, we did mention that. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Pop licensed more BL manga. <laughs> uh, go where uh, the market is. Well, well at least know. we're getting an area for them, so we'll get what we can. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like it's like why how it's like I'm amazed they're still alive. And then, oh yeah, and then the and then the Slayers novels got licensed too. And I'm just like, wow! After all this time, Slayers is coming out. <laughs> well, they've been picking up quite a bit of those old Tokyo Pop ones, like uh, Full Metal uh, Panic and stuff like that. And then uh, now we have that. And the great thing about those announcements is they put them right onto the J novel platform to read the first uh, script and stuff like that. That's how they do it. And so I, I wa- read the first part of Slayers and that. So that was great to see because see, obviously they're all new translations. See, getting familiar with other companies and formats and especially digital ones. J-Novel, I, I didn't really know the name until all of this. So I have to look them up a little bit more. So that only- was Sam Pernansky. And he was an interesting fella because he, I, I guess he went to Japan, got his PhD in the science field and stuff like that. But on the side, he was doing translation stuff like that uh, for Crunchyroll and stuff like that. Then remember, he started that um, crowdfunding uh, platform with these Japanese companies that tried to bring out Creamy Mommy, Blackjack, and a few other things. And that only went so far, unfortunately. And now he's doing a J novel uh, club, which he said he's doing with his own money. And it's been successful so far because he's actually putting out physical product as well as the digital product that they started out from, but they're still doing that work. You subscribe to them, you get the first few chapters and then it's edited further and then given an ebook uh, presentation, stuff like that sold as that. And then those chapters that were originally there disappear after a certain amount of time. And then if it's popular enough, you get a physical volume. But certain ones they know will sell. So Slayers, we know, is going to get a physical hardcover uh, omnibus volume of three volumes, just like uh, uh, Full Metal Panic. Well, is any other uh, licenses or something? Or well, Aniplex um, well, is going to put out an expensive-ass Persona 5 Blu-ray box set. I guess uh, everyone was uh, on that. I Look at what you do get. You do get, I think it was it, 26 or 24 episodes, and then you have the two specials and stuff like that, plus it's dubbed. So if you look at it from the old mindset, you could say, okay, I can see where they're coming from, but everyone else is like, why isn't it $60 US or something like that? So, Well, no, not even that. Well, because, like, what, it's like 300 bucks, and you're not yep, throwing it in, like, you're just giving me some fucking postcards with it? Like, come on. Come on, Anaplex. <laughs> hey, that was a thing in the past. That was a Just thing imagine the if they had a soundtrack in there, Kevin. It would probably be $500. No, you mm. would have needed to add, like, other shit. Like, 
like the Morgana plush that came with the, the original P5 collector's edition. So like if if I can get like all the stuff for like an extra 80 bucks for the video game version, you couldn't even throw in like a Joker mask or like whatever. Like, come on, man. Like, oh, they dubbed it because they couldn't even bother to dub Persona 4 Golden. Hmm. Oh, pers- wait, the Persona 4 Golden anime? Correct. Yeah, that's what? the only one that wasn't dubbed. Well, yeah, they sucked. never dubbed that. So it was put, done in two parts. Yeah, by them subtitle only. Well, the golden mm. anime sucks. To be honest, I watched that. No, it makes sense. Yeah, if you think about it that way, so. it's okay. just pure fan service for the fans. But it's kind of funny they made the announcement, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, we forgot about Persona Five for a while." Because you're <laughs> still thinking about like Persona Five uh, Royale uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. That still came with some decent stuff too. Yeah, that was with the not mask like, you were talking about, the Joker. Uh, yeah, not not just fucking postcards. Like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. So, well, we got a little bit more time left. Uh, okay, the other ta- thing that, well, you, when you caught my attention, Kevin, when you tried to get my attention, it was towards the end on, of Saturday when you showed me. You know, check out the concerts. Check out the concerts uh, with the Anime Expo Light. Mm-hmm. They were near the end of that, of that, and they were having their final concerts and all that stuff. And you alerted me that Yoko Takahashi was about to sing. Yes. Well, tell me, like, it looked like the concerts were all stuff pre-taped. We and we went on about this last week about our impressions of AX Light. Uh, a lot of stuff looked not necessarily live. It looked all pre, uh, pre-taped. But so, watching the performance was kind of interesting to watch. And but was yeah. it old AX performances then? No. From the looks of it, it was... So my friend calls these pre-recorded lives. So uh, yes, it was recorded. But from the looks of it, it was recorded specifically for AX Lite. Which is, which is... I'm okay with that. I was with the, under the circumstances, like with this whole thing, with this, with all these lockdown conventions, so to speak. You take what well, take what you can get, but things are done done specifically for the situation given. Uh, for my part, I was in, uh, it was interesting to watch all that, just to watch the Takahashi segment. I know there was other artists who, frankly. I'll be honest, I am not familiar with at this point, but uh, if I, I'll try and look up a little more in the future. Uh, aside from Kotoko. Who oh, did, who did the- man, I, I have to thank my friend for bringing the concert to my attention because I would have missed seeing Kotoko and Elisa perform. Mm-hmm. What a one-two mm-hmm. punch. Oh, man, that was great. Like So... And it sounded like the concerts were really, a, really. I'm gonna, am I uh, short of saying a highlight for these online cons? Highlight for me. Yeah, they definitely oh, well, had yeah. some. Both cons had some great musical guests and stuff like that, which oh. we hadn't seen before, right? But they definitely have the power to bring them over, right, and get them. Yes, they do. Certainly, um, AX has the history. Funimation has the sheer power. And in Kevin's case, remember. 
when we were talking IFF last year, Kevin came for that for the IFF concerts. And we, I don't think he saw anything else. Whereas me, you, James, we, we saw a lot of the other stuff that happened at IFF. Yeah, the panel. So I went fund, I went one day in the end. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I went like the last uh, day. But we were taught, but I know you, I know the concerts were, were a thing for you and one of the powers uh, of IFF, I suppose. So concerts are a bit of a thing. And it was the last thing that officially for Anime Expo Light. And then they had their closing ceremonies right after, from what I could understand. Mm -hmm. But, well, overall, just, well, well, worthwhile, uh, worthwhile things to have seen overall. Like all three of them. I think I found them all interesting under the, once again, under the circumstances. I didn't pay too much attention to the Funimation Con, to be honest. And that's your prerogative. And I mean, some things did overlap too, right? Like with yeah, Anaplugged and Funimation. It was tough to choose from, well, um, obviously I've already said, I, none of it was my choice. My choice was none of them. I ended up watching, other, uh, watching and playing other stuff. But as the summer goes, we still have a few more of these to go, right? Yeah. And it was a worthwhile weekend. I mean, it's... It was a worthwhile weekend because that should have been Anime Expo weekend. And I guess as a thank you, as a shout out to the hardcore fandom, and it's there, you know, you had the, that fandom had choice and, you know, choice is good. Sometimes choice is good a lot of the time. And I don't, and I think when you think about it, the Funimation really wasn't you know, they they just want to give give an option for fans, and Anime Expo wanted to keep its presence. Uh, so, I'd like to think fans won on that. And uh, Anaplex at least... uh, was an interesting uh, method as well as we saw that one. If you've watched like the extras on Blu-rays or DVDs, it was kind of like that for like the talk show format with some of the panels promoting some yeah. of their shows. And then of course they had their concerts as well and stuff like that from their artists. And that's still going to be on for a week after. So it might be down by the time uh, we put this up, but I watched some uh, panels from there and it was interesting. The one I watched that I remember offhand was uh, millionaire detective uh, bounce unlimited which only got two episodes on Noitamina before uh, they had to delay because of COVID and it's going to come back at the end of the month. And it was yeah. interesting them discussing things that you would never even think about. Oh, I actually mm. had that running in the background because that one was airing late at night, right? That little talk segment. Yeah, that That's was late at night. And the other thing was they were talking with the band that did the opening because supposedly they're big. It's uh, the Stones. It's not yeah. spelled that way, but that's how they say it, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yes, I remember. I did watch a segment of that, and I was like, "Huh, okay, okay." And like the one main character, like they had the straight guy that came from England, stuff like that, is super spy and can use all the money in the world. And then the other guys, like you shouldn't be using money, and he's like this cop and stuff like that, and rough and tumble. But the one guy that plays the straight up guy, it was so funny where he was saying that he was actually recording alone for the first couple of episodes, and this was before COVID. And then mm -hmm. one of the stories was you see these dancing shows. It's kind of like the Bond opening where you see the show, the main character dancing and doing all these moves. 
well, I guess he had had experience, obviously, in the entertainment industry outside of anime and stuff like that. So this was more new to him. But they said, the director's like, okay, show us some dance moves so we like can animate that or put that somehow in the opening. And he just randomly did some stuff that made it into the opening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is kind of interesting. All right. Well, as I said, some of this is, might still be up. So we'll uh, put links and... We'll see if there if anybody clicks on them and whether or not they're still up. The interesting thing too is they were definitely going for the international alliance because they said their greetings in Japanese, English, and in Chinese and stuff like that. And they it was on, a, on platforms in China. Yep, and they definitely they did some, like that one too. They did some line readings and stuff like that, and they were trying to give line readings in Chinese and English of the same line it was kind of interesting them trying to do that and you could tell the one guy's like yeah i was practicing like late at night for hours on end in my bathtub and you're just laughing about that <laughs> okay well so with that we i guess we shouldn't for now leave behind funimation con ax light and anaplex online let's look ahead for a couple minutes because on the horizon now are Two Canadian ones. Momiji's online experience, the Anime North online show, is two week, begins two weeks from tonight. And then there's Otakuthon, which this one could be a little bit more interesting. Uh, that Well, Otakuthon's really more than a month away, but uh, that caught my attention for, well, it'll be the first online convention that I know of that will actually be asking for money for registrations. That's the one that caught, has my attention. So, yeah. which one do we want to sink into for a second? I, I, I well, let's. I guess Otakuthon's a bit more, a little bit more to sink into for a minute, James. Well, it was interesting because I saw, and I think other people noticed it too. Like they're charging an admission price of fifteen dollars US yeah, or twenty dollars Canadian per account, and that yep. basically they're on an online platform, VFairs, and so. It kind of reminds you about this weekend, right, where some of them obviously were either, and most of them have either done YouTube or Twitch or mm. Funimation. They were on their own virtual platform. Well, it takes money to make those platforms. Sony may have the money, but a volunteer-driven organization like Utakuthan, if they're going to go that route with the platform, I can kind of understand why they want some money and stuff like that, and I'm not sure how that will go. And they have the usual things that's like, oh, on the virtual platform, you can go through the virtual exhibition hall and you get mailed a souvenir badge and postcard only in Canada and U.S. And then you can access their uh, base T-shirt and a merchandise. And the other thing is that I guess there's going to be 30 days after the event, you can uh, have access to their non-live content, they're saying. Okay. You know, the whole idea of paying for something is... After a run of non-paid uh, conventions, it, it, it's first blush says it's not going to go over well, but who knows? Well, I, I can, you can, and when you put in these terms, okay, you can at least pause, give it pause for thought. I guess the thing too, though, Mike, is you think about where the price of convention tickets are now, and they're quite higher than what they used to be. That maybe oh, yeah. if you're at fifteen dollars US or twenty dollars Canadian, $20 people are more likely to pay that than they are to pay like if it was higher. I think like they probably would not been able going to anywhere. Yeah, that was I'm still in my house. 
but you're paying 20 bucks. And, and yes, I can participate in their scavenger hunt and maybe earn points that can use, that can go towards winning prizes. And what if they get the Japanese artist you've always been wanting to see all year? Hey, oh. Yeah, if, it, if they're, if they're going to have concerts, I understand. And I also understand that it costs money to run this, these things. Don't get me wrong. But it, the value proposition is, uh, it's gotta be there for me at least. I can only speak for myself because I don't want no fucking postcard and physical badge when I'm not going to even, you know, be like, like I said, there these are, in Montreal. These, these have been known to be things. And it's like weird things too. Like you hear things like join online video game channels to play with your friends from our platform's gaming wall and things like that. So it's this weird thing. And I haven't heard of this platform for V fair. So who knows how that goes? Mm-hmm. Oh, the thought of playing with people at a virtual con is so appealing because I don't Avenger hunt, do that on Steam. Avenger hunt, game shows, leaderboards. <laughs> leaderboards for what? Uh, the leaderboards say by exploring the convention, you will be awarded points at oh, rise that, in the oh, leaderboard. Yeah, Those with the highest scores at the conclusion of the event will be eligible for prizes offered oh, that, by our partners. That's the scavenger hunt, okay. That's the leaderboard, and the scavenger hunt is just saying, keep your eye out for the halls and corridors. Find hidden items throughout the virtual convention for your chance to win a prize for finding them. It really depends on how interactive they're going to make this thing. They talk Hmm. about game shows. That's like, they'll have to justify the cost, I guess. Like, I can see that being okay. And there is a help desk, supposedly, for technical difficulties, too, since it's on a a fully functional platform too. Well, that is nice. <laughs> you, you know, you know, you know. It's funny. So, so for my job, uh, we have this annual conference we do every year, and because of COVID, we have to move to a virtual conference. And uh, and VFair was one of the platforms we were considering, but we didn't because it was just too expensive. <laughs> oh, well, now so another wrinkle to the whole. Well, what Otakuthon is trying to do. All these digital platforms that are doing virtual anything are charging an arm and a leg for the most basic of anything. So ticket prices are understandable with, uh, at what they are. Um, yeah, it just it sucks, but that's just that's just the way it is. Dang. Okay. Well, as, well, I, I think we'll have more time to talk about Otakuthon eventually because that's more than a month away. That's in mid mid August. I guess if we wanted to think about it. Uh... Mike, and I only saw it on Funimation's con, but when they were doing autographs and stuff like that, all the autographs were like these voice messages and video messages and stuff like that, and they were charging about $50 to get those from English voice actors, which was interesting. Yeah, that you can record and put on your voicemail or whatever, right? Yeah, and I guess merch that they signed. uh... Mm Mm-hmm. A di- so a digital a digital shout out a digital autograph of sorts and a like, lot you know, of other smaller cons or other virtual cons I don't think would have access to that so yeah well you have to as I said you have to be a little creative in these times okay well as I said Otakuthon is more than a month away do we want to say anything about uh, Momiji's online experience before it happens in two weeks well all I expect from it are decent panels, 
So it'll be mm-hmm. more akin to anime lockdown is what I'm hoping it'll be because uh, for me, anime North has always had some okay panels and, and some good ones. So, and this is something that we didn't really get with the corporate run cons or even just like the fact that West coast cons in general don't really do panels the way that we do out east so i expect an to be very panel focused which is fine by me because uh i like going to panels and we didn't really get those kinds of panels at the cons that happened last week Mm -hmm. that's just not a thing that they do at west they don't really do fan-run panels at West Coast conventions. So that's one thing that I look forward to. Yeah, it'll be basically Anime North playing to its known strengths. Mm -hmm. I think it was interesting. They were asking for questions, I believe, uh, through Twitter and stuff like that, because one of the panels is actually going to have Don Simmons and it's like Ask Anime North because he was one of the convention founders and stuff like that. Ooh. So that'll be interesting to learn more about the history of the con because we haven't had too much of that happen over the years and stuff like that with those type of panels. You know what I mean? You've had, well, how do you we, run a convention and stuff like that? Okay. But not a look well, back. You know what I feel like? For us mm. uh, who've kept up with the, the Toronto scene all these years, for me, like 10, 20 years plus in my case, you know a name like Donald Simmons, but I think the casual fan, the casual fan who comes to Anime North would have no clue who Donald Simmons is. So he's a history, and he is a very much a historic figure when it comes to an- Toronto anime fandom as the founder of Anime North. And he's still, and, and maybe it's a bit of a wonder that he still kicks around the convention these days. Mm-hmm. So giving him a form, you'll, and we're and God knows this show is sort of is into the history sometimes and the behind the scenes stuff. That's I think I think fans would uh, get a would, should find some fascination in learning about the history of something like that. So yeah, all so, the questions must have been submitted because they said by June thirtieth, and they were sending them to uh, an email address, and then so it'll be uh, screened questions. But I'm sure there will be some interesting ones. That'd be intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we'll see about that. No, at least from my end. Of course, mileage varies, and yeah, you never know, skip. right? So you'd be right. able to ask Donald anything. <laughs> Maybe that's in theory. Control. Eric quotes anything. Obviously, yeah. well, they screen it, but yeah, well, yeah. the deadline and, is passed. But who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I wish mileage I do. Mileage varies because I I do have questions. Anyway, I, I guess we're almost done. Uh, we wanted to save this episode for talking about uh, the online conventions that have just passed and the ones that are coming up and what caught our attention at both of those, at each of those. We'll put up links to what hopefully is VODs or anything, any highlights from the three that just passed. And well, I mean, I, I want to take a look too. So, I mean, I did miss a fair amount of all of that. So it'll be a look for me, uh, something to look at while I'm resting myself after uh, playing Yakuza or watching other stuff. 
And I know there's been other headlines over the last week that might be worth mentioning. I mean, we did mention, we did mention Christopher Butcher. We did mention Kanaka Matsu at the end of episode 20. And I want to take a longer look at that. Yes, I did look at the evil headline. So I'm not sure I want, well, maybe we'll at least acknowledge that because damn, that's about all I could say about that. And there are other stories. Uh, I know that have happened in the last week that I know we can regard in episode 21. So do we have any uh, final thoughts before we end off the digest? I have a couple. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but Silent Mobius got licensed again, the manga. <laughs> Digital okay. only, though. <laughs> who, who has it this time? Sorry. Uh, who? Some random small company. What were they called? Manga Planet. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we'll assuming that they'll publish all of it, we'll finally get all of it right to left because, you know, Viz released it flipped and Udon, it sold poorly for Udon, so they canceled it. So maybe third time. Now that's digital only, Kevin. Can it really be flipped and not flipped? (laughs) Hey, man. You'll never know. know. That's (laughs) always a discussion. Anything else? And um, so when Yoko Takahashi was performing... I was like, man, I hope that Pumpkin Scissors song is going to be sung. And of course it didn't. She sung nothing but Evangelion music. I have to and say this. Like, so, like, she, you know, like, Fly Me to the Moon, yeah, of course. And then uh, Tamashi No Refrain, which I forgot about. But I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I was like, oh, maybe maybe she'll sing other stuff. And then, nope, it's just oh, some yeah. more Evangelion image songs. I was like, god oh, damn it, man. Like. Give me the Shauna. Give me your Shauna opening, or give me no. Give me your Shauna ending song, or give me the Pumpkin Scissors song. But of course, uh, it didn't happen. I, That's I what know. I would want. But I guess the people want something else, Kevin. People yeah, want, want. They want even Jillian, which they well, were gonna get anyway. But they're gonna get, and they and you know she couldn't do a longer set. I suppose it's it, it was interesting because since Eva found its way onto Netflix. The record company, I think it's King Records, I believe, they've pushed pushed her out there again. You know, in I think I think uh, one promo I always said, well, hoping her hoping to introduce her music now to a new generation, right? I mean, I, I get it. It's Eva it's, is one of those benchmarks, but it's the only way. It's the only reason why Yoko Takahashi is still relevant to anime fans. Hey, hey, hey. it's nothing. I yes, but sometimes it's not. There's nothing wrong with hanging, hanging your, hanging your coat, so to speak, on one thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, oh. it's a big thing to hang your coat on, right? Yeah. You know, oh, and if you also, remember, oh, sorry. Like if you remember, if you're remembered for something for being associated with such a landmark series, I'd say there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing Amen. wrong with a crown. Got to pay the bills. Yes. Anyone? Oh, else? Um, uh, James, Mo, any? Uh, oh, or you finish your thought, Kevin? Oh, I'll just say also, um, Kotoko only sung old stuff, which was fine by me. Uh, she sung. Um, she sung Resublimity from. Kanazuki no Miko, which was surprising. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize how popular that song was. Yeah. Uh, also, the Please Teacher opening, which is one of which is how I got into 
Kotoko, and Please Teacher is one of my favorite series. Which even I think though, uh, even with that TV premise, but yes. Yeah. Well, it's one of those series like back in the day that was a noteworthy series. The fans, the more recent fans would probably not have a grasp of that or to understand yeah. that uh, it's there's nothing wrong with looking at the history of fandom in that sense in the history of what was popular back then mm-hmm. will it be popular because like like we mentioned in in the past will certain series that are popular today will my hero academia hold up 20 years from now right okay when you said that last last time if, if that probably will well for a for instance right mm-hmm Anyway, at least it was amazing. Uh, mm. No euphoric James? field, though. <laughs> James, Mo, you have a, do you have a final thought before we finish off? Uh, I'll keep my short. <laughs> watch, <laughs> watch Food Wars on Netflix. It's pretty cool. Oh, well. Oh, really? Actually, you got into Food Wars? Food Wars is on Netflix. Uh, that that appeared there. Um, I know you're... And what's the other thing you mentioned? Uh you mentioned another title on Netflix that seems to be getting a bit of attention. Japan Sinks 2020. Yeah, that's that Everyone seems to have been heard about that. I've heard about that one. Yes, it, and it's on. My, it's actually on my recommended list whenever I log into Netflix right now. So uh, those are two titles maybe worth watching if you have your Netflix subscription. James, you have a final thought? Uh, not too much uh, a final thought, but I was thinking I was telling you guys it's like retro crush an interesting way at least in north america to watch some uh, retro anime and stuff like that and they just put up uh the old uh, blackjack ova from the 90s which is more grittier and 12 episode subtitles so that's an interesting one if someone wants to watch mm, right yeah we're, we i guess we should have a bit more of a discussion about other services that show anime that not many would know about and that one's interesting because there's no thing. commercials at all so i'm not sure how exactly they support themselves Sometimes uh, life surprises you. Look into it a little more, I'm sure. Wow, Hakuge, The Legend of Moby Dick. Man, never thought of that. Yeah, it's a lot of classic anime, so they're getting it from Discotech and from all those other Japanese ones. So it's an interesting, eclectic mix, as we would say. Yeah, well, I I mean, just on a whim, I I was driving once, and then my uh, iPhone accidentally connected into my into the uh, stereo speakers and onto onto my Bluetooth in the car, and it suddenly started playing the overture from Some Days Dreamers. So it had me thinking about that for a second. And oh, uh, I, remember, we, I remember that show. Kind of creepy about yeah. Which is uh, well, let's not talk about the issues with my phone for now. But it had me thinking, and I, and looking it up, I didn't know that it's on high dive now. Because Sentai got it, and yeah, they got it a long time ago. That was one yeah, of their early uh, rescues. Well, they got that, and they got the summer uh, the sequel series that wasn't mm-hmm. exactly related, but it was kind of a continuation with new characters. I forgot it was summer something. Well, which I like. Yeah, I, I always no known about High Dive in the background, and well, and it's always been there. High Dive's always been there, but. Basically, High Dive is the new anime network, as they say. Yeah, well, it's basically <laughs> holds, uh, it basically shows everything Sentai has, and that's yep. well, they're all related. It's so. under the screen. Sometimes there's something you'd want to see on it, so it goes for something. But I really but, wonder what's going to happen to them. Who knows? That's the thing. It's as if they're being left in dust. 
Well, yeah, they're very much being left in the dust by the others right now. Weird, like we talked about that, and I'm like, what's happening? We said about what they got this season, which is only two shows, and one of them is a continuation. But mm. it's going to well, be tough for them. But the funny thing is we talked about how they got that money from Cool Japan. So where does that leave them with that investment and stuff like that? Because maybe that's a drop in the bucket compared to, obviously, the Sony money and the uh, Warner uh, Media money. Yeah. More than likely, but remember, there's there's a history with that, with the names associated with that company. Mm-hmm. I think that should do it. As I said, uh, just uh, something to uh, give a roundup of what we saw during the last week. That's all we got for this recording. Thanks for listening. 